here's Pastor Ed with a brief preview of today's edition of Voice of Faith. John the Baptist was saying, people must repent, turn from sin and turn to God. Change their mind about sin and change their mind about what God says. Repentance is the way of life for a believer. The law shows us that we don't measure up, that we fail. The law shows us that we need a Savior. Pastor Ed puts it out there plainly in today's message. Repentance needs to be a way of life for a believer. We are made very aware by the law that we don't measure up to, and there is no way we can ever be good enough to reach heaven on our own. This realization is why we needed Jesus to come to earth and die for us. And having accepted that He did this for us, we need to consistently be grateful for salvation. This spurs us to live the holiest life we can and to ask for forgiveness when we fail. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message entitled, New Birth. Our culture has taken a word and taken it out of its biblical context and emptied out its meaning. They use the term when a athletic team, a football team, baseball team, is sort of just dragging along and it looks like they're going to be at the bottom and suddenly there's a turnaround and they're contending for the number one spot. They say they've been born again. A company ready to close the stores experiences a a resurge in interest and it's marketing its product and they say they've been born again even a politician who looks like um, he's not going to do very well the polls don't show good for him but there's a turnaround and they say that person's been born again the term has been used so much so lightly that it's lost its real meaning for many Christians. I like what John Blanchard said, becoming a Christian is not making a new start in life. It's receiving a new life to start with. That's what it means to be born again. A brand new person on the inside. Now, evangelicals were polled. People who said they were born again. Only a little over half of those evangelicals who were polled, who said they were born again, knew where the phrase born again was found. So often... People have this superficial understanding of what it really means to be a Christian. I mean, a born-again Christian. It's essential. It's important. Without it, you don't make heaven. Without it, you're not a part of the kingdom. We're going to look at the context, the conversation that went on. It, it all started in Jerusalem, the center of religion. There Jesus was, and he was performing incredible miracles. And yet, 
even though people believed, their faith was not quite adequate. It wasn't enough to cross the line and bring them over to discipleship. Well, let's read it. The religious representative from this group in John chapter 2, verses 23 to 25. Now, while he, meaning Jesus, was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many people saw the miraculous signs he was doing and believed in his name. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all men. He did not need man's testimony about man, for he knew what was in man. Jesus was somewhat distant. He didn't entrust himself to them. It says they believed. But that belief didn't go deep enough. It wasn't real enough. It didn't change them enough so that they would make a commitment to be a full-fledged follower of Christ. And Christ held back. There's a representative from this group in Jerusalem who believed when they saw the miraculous. His name was Nicodemus. He comes to Jesus at night. The passage tells us in verse 1 and 2, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. This man was no ordinary man. It was an extraordinary leader in Israel. I mean, he was the best that religion produced. He was a Pharisee. We're told by William Barclay, a commentator, that there were maybe 6,000 Pharisees at the time of Christ among all of the people. That's only a small segment. These people were diligent about living out the Bible. They were concerned to be ethical and righteous and right. Many of them were bivocational, served God in some way and served in their nation in other ways. They had held down jobs, but they were serious about their Bible. They were serious about being ethical. This man was not only a Pharisee, one of 6,000, a unique group, but he was a ruler of the Jews. That meant that his colleagues saw something in him and invited him to serve on a group of 70 people that led the nation. They interpreted the Bible. They made the Jewish rules up that people were to live by. He was someone honored among his people for his religious commitment. He was in the right religion. He was a Jew. He was in the right place in Jerusalem. Not only was he a Pharisee on the ruling council, but there's something else about this man that's remarkable. Jesus compliments him later on and says that you're Israel's teacher. What that means was he was an outstanding teacher, well-known. If you had a Bible conference, he'd be there teaching. If you had a special guest that you really wanted to come, it would be Nicodemus. He would be on the docket. I mean, he knew the Pentateuch. He knew the prophets. 
He had memorized much of the Bible, a master expositor. He comes to Jesus at night, and he pays Jesus an incredible compliment. This young preacher, Jesus, 30 years old, facing a well-known, noted teacher and ruler of the Jews, Nicodemus says to Jesus, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher sent from God. What a compliment. He expected that perhaps Jesus would suddenly say, well, thank you. I'm glad to hear that you think so well of me and that you'll receive me. I mean, Nicodemus was diplomatic, careful, respectful. Jesus wasn't swayed by any of it, persuaded by any of it. He just brushed it all aside and went to the heart of the matter. There was a need in Nicodemus's life. As good and ethical as he was, as religious as he was, as scrupulous in his religious profession, there was something missing. And he said, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Now, Nicodemus was familiar with that term. It wasn't something that rabbis had not heard before because whenever a proselyte, a Gentile, converted to Judaism, they would say, he has had a new birth. He's starting life all over again. Everything is new. It was a term that they would use when someone converted to Judaism. And Jesus says, Nicodemus, you have to be born again. What? Speak like that to an elder of Israel? What happened to Nicodemus often happens to people who go to a Christian school or who attend church regularly. Nicodemus studied the law, but fell into the trap that so many through the centuries fall into, thinking that knowing about God is the same as knowing God. Doing religious things is the same as having eternal life. Paul the Apostle put his finger on it when he said in Romans chapter 3.20, for no one, no one, no one, can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. Nicodemus fell into the trap that's so common for religious people. Self-righteousness. Feeling that my obligation to God is fulfilled when I give the tithe... I attend the church, I pray my prayers, I perhaps give to FCA. It's more, far more than that. And Jesus is going to have a conversation with Nicodemus. It's an essential conversation. It was spoken between Jesus and Nicodemus nearly 2,000 years ago, and throughout the centuries, it's been a cornerstone, a guide for how we are to respond to God and what God expects of us 
And how you and I could know that our names are written down in God's heavenly book, the Lamb's book of life. This conversation was an essential conversation. Verse 4, Nicodemus asked this question, how can a man be born when he's old? Nicodemus asked, surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. If Nicodemus, perhaps in his 50s at this time, maybe 60, hadn't made it with all the good works and all the religiosity and all the things that he did, well, then maybe it'd be just impossible. How can it be? Now, um, Jesus is not about making people comfortable. I mean, he's not about speaking so diplomatically that you fail to hear what he's trying to say to you. Here's Jesus' answer. Listen to it real carefully. The explanation, born of water and of spirit. Verses 5 and 6. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one, no one, underline it, circle it. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and spirit Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. What was Jesus saying? Born of water. Well, the Bible is the best interpreter of the Bible. If you go back to chapter 1 of John's Gospel, there's a delegation of religious leaders, Pharisees, who inquire about John the Baptist and his credentials. In Mark 1.4, it reads, And John came baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of what? Repentance. For the forgiveness of sins. And in John's Gospel, the first chapter, now some of the Pharisees who had been sent to question him, John the Baptist, Why do you baptize? John the Baptist was saying, People must repent. Turn from sin and turn to God. Change their mind about sin and change their mind about what God says. Repentance is the way of life for a believer. The law shows us that we don't measure up, that we fail. The law shows us that we need a Savior. The great trap that so many fall into is that religious attendance, good works, somehow become the ladder that they climb up to to stand acceptable in God's sight. But that ladder will never bring them into heaven. That ladder of good works will never take them into the presence of God. But because all of our works, the Bible tells us, are like filthy rats. They're not good enough. They made a tragic mistake, thinking that because they were Jewish, because they were in the right religion, they had the right pedigree, that that was it. In John's Gospel, chapter 1, 12 to 13, it says, Yet to all who received him, meaning Christ, those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. You can't pass on your Christianity to your children. They themselves have to receive Christ. You can't become a Christian simply by 
Going to church, reading the Bible, praying, it takes a miracle of God, a divine act of the Holy Spirit. Notice what the text says, born of the Spirit. It's God's Spirit coming inside of you, changing you, making you new. That's what Jesus was saying, born of God. That's the explanation. Here's the declaration. You must be born again. I remember as a young Christian working in the city, and I happened to work with a Mormon. And this man was one of the most devout men that I had ever met. And it even seemed like he was a spiritual man, and maybe he was, but he didn't have God's Spirit in him because he didn't believe what Jesus said about his identity who he was. And sometimes we meet very good moral people. But if they don't have a personal relationship with Christ, whether they're in the Christian church or in some other religion, doesn't they they're not saved. There are religious people who are not saved. There are irreligious people who are not saved. There are people who, maybe they're Hindu. I remember going to England for a preaching conference and visiting Scotland and England and going to the town of Bath and visiting a church. At this particular church, they were having a special meeting. A missionary from India had come back. He had built orphanages and churches, and now he was retired and He was going to talk about some of those experiences and show some of the works of art that he had now produced. And I remember listening to him as he stood behind the podium in that church and he talked and he made a statement. I felt like I would fall right through the floor. It was like a heavy rock fell onto my heart and soul. He said, I have a good Hindu friend and he's a spiritual man And I think he's going to heaven. Jesus said, you must be born again. I'll take his words over any religious leader's words. You must be born again to enter into the kingdom of God. That's the only way. No matter how good or ethical a person may be, it doesn't make them a Christian There are not many ways to God. There's only one way to God, and and that's through Jesus Christ. To be born again means that deep inside there is a change, a transformation. You cannot make yourself a Christian. God has to do something inside of you, a miracle, and make you a brand new person. It tells us in 2 Corinthians... 5.17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Now, it doesn't end with this conversation right here. It becomes perplexing. There's a perplexing conclusion to this interview with Nicodemus and Jesus. In verse 10... Jesus says, are you Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you don't understand these things? Jesus is amazed at the spiritual blindness of this leader. 
He's amazed at the spiritual darkness in his heart. In the scriptures, but the scriptures haven't transformed him. You can have reverend in front of your name or pastor in front of your name, but it doesn't mean that you are born again. It doesn't mean you're going to heaven. Jesus teaches us that there is a spiritual blindness and there's a question that Nicodemus asked. This question arises out of the heart of unbelief. Listen to the question. It's based and grows out of unbelief. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. How can this be? Jesus pointed him to John the Baptist who was preaching repentance. See, Nicodemus would have had to humble himself. Uh, what happens is many times the reason we can't comprehend something intellectually is because our heart isn't right with God. Because it's a problem of the heart, not a problem of the mind. It's a problem that's on the inside where our will and God's will winds up clashing. Nicodemus was walking along the path of self-righteousness. And he had gone that way so many years. An older man, a preacher, a teacher, religious. But yet, he had not been born again. What happens is, is, is Jesus is dealing with a problem that the church has had for 2,000 years. Uh, that believers have had since the beginning of time. Remember the story of the prodigal son? The son who left his father's house when he hit rock bottom, when he found himself in the pig pen eating the husk. He came to himself, the Bible says. He went back to his father and his father embraced him in arms of grace. That son never forgot that he was a sinner. But there also was an older Son, That elder son never left the father's house. But he didn't know the father's heart and was lost in the father's house. Jesus told an incredible story, a parable. I want you to listen to the words as I read it to you from Luke's gospel. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself, God, I thank you. I'm not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even look up to heaven. He beat his breast and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That's the key. Recognizing that we never outgrow our need of God's grace, that we never outgrow our need of the cross. The recognition that it's only through the blood of Christ that I am saved. It's not through the works of my hand. It's not through the good deeds that I do. It's not through all of my religious observance or my knowledge of the Bible. It's the cross of Christ alone. If you're listening today and you've recently placed your faith in Jesus, this has been a perfect message for you. 
The Gospel of John is one of the very best places in the whole of the Bible for new believers to begin studying. And it's not just for new believers either. For those of us who have walked with Jesus for some time, it's always a wonderful reminder of who we're following. You've been listening to Voice of Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now we want to encourage you to log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and spend some time getting to know us. There you'll find today's message. The only thing you need to remember is today's date. Again, to stay current with what's being broadcasted here on Voice of Faith and to access an archive of messages, log on to voiceoffaithradio.com. Or if you'd like, you can always give us a call. Our number is 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We invite you to join us again for the next edition of Voice of Faith. On behalf of Pastor Ed, Faith Assembly, and the entire production team, we want to say thank you for joining us and come back next time for another edition of Voice of Faith.